You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni of Fantrax HQ and Blake Sullivan of Roto Ballers. Welcome to the show. We are back. This is the Hot Take Podcast, episode number 33. And back-to-back weeks, Blake, we, we're on a roll here. Yep, we're on a roll. We're going to stay on a roll. Yeah, man. Uh, we were doing every other week in the off-season. Of course, we come weekly, sometimes two episodes a week during the season. But you know what? We've got a bunch of interesting news. And then, of course, we got these free agents that are going to sign um, this month. You know, uh, March 13th will be the day that uh, people start uh, negotiating and all that. Um, course tampering aside but uh speaking of tampering what's up we got joey p on the show how we doing joe i'm doing well man i'm i you know i show up for shows that i'm uh booked on <laughs> unlike some other people you know who uh maybe flop out not me i yeah. show up when it's go time baby joe p Zapia, that's what i'm all about that's the brand baby Joe P, he's a man of his word. You know, uh, yeah, that's why I said the tampering thing. You know, we ha- I had to tamper with other guests once uh, our boy Nate Hamilton uh, ditched, ditched the show this week. But that's okay. We had him on the free. It's a bad look for you, Hamilton. I'm just calling you out on the show right now. Well, he, he was superb as a guest on the free agent running backs. But now we got the wide receivers today. Uh, we're going to get into some of the bigger names as far as wide receivers go on the market. Um, but one of those receivers, actually, that is in the market, he's in the trade uh, market right now, and he's going to be traded this week, it looks like, is Antonio Brown. So by now, by now we all know that Antonio Brown is going to be traded, and it would benefit the Steelers, actually, to get him traded before the 17th because they will owe him 2.5 mil on a roster bonus if he's on the Steelers' uh, organization past the 17th. So now it's come out. They're trying to move him ASAP. And Ian Rappaport said that Friday is probably going to be the day, if not before. The team that's consistently linked with uh, Antonio Brown right now is the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Joe, I want you to lead us off here. If he is an Oakland Raider, which, look, it all makes sense to me for him to be a Raider. Like, they need a number one wide receiver. Uh, Oakland obviously wants to make a big splash with Gruden in his second year. Um, so it all adds up to me. What's your outlook for Antonio Brown if he is an Oakland Raider? And let's talk about from a redraft perspective and then maybe a dynasty outlook for like the next few years. Well, in the short term, if this happens, I, I, I just don't love it. I, I don't think you can have watched Derek Carr play quarterback in the last few years and enjoy yourself or think that you know, things are going in the right direction. And when everybody kind of oohed and odd all over Derek Carr a couple of years ago, he still didn't even throw for 4,000 yards in the season. So you know, like everybody, what a great season, all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm granted he missed it at the very end and he got hurt, but still there's something about that where he just didn't hit that mark. And I, I got to say, this is not where I want him to end up as a fantasy player. I would much rather him end up in a San Francisco with a Garoppolo who I think that would help Garoppolo's development immensely. Then you give him a weapon like that. I'd much prefer to see him. I mean, hell, I don't, I'd almost rather see him be a Jet or something like that. There, there's oh. a lot of teams that I prefer him to be on, and that's coming from a Patriots fan. I'd almost rather see him as a Jet. Right. I just, I just feel like Oakland is this space right now where there's a lot of negativity. There's a complete void on that roster of talent. They've gotten rid of so much talent, and there's going to be so much of an influx of young talent because of what they've done. 
of getting rid of so many people over the last year or so that it's going to be a very young team. And I think that's going to frustrate a player like Antonio Brown. He's used to being on a, on a ready team to compete and win. And I don't think that's going to equal happiness. So long-term and short-term, if Oakland ends up being the place, I think that's going to be uh, – it's not going to kill his fantasy value, but I think it's definitely going to stunt it a bit. You know, it's funny because I think I tweeted this out I, you know, a couple months ago. I was like, I just have a feeling that the draft picks that the Raiders acquired for Khalil Mack they're going to turn that into acquiring Antonio Brown. So it's like they do have the assets that would make it appealing for the Steelers. Um, Blake, are you feeling like kind of like Joe, you're not very excited about him being a Raider? Yeah, I'm actually going to echo that exact statement because I would like to see him in San Francisco. Uh, That is kind of a black hole, no pun intended there, in Oakland, where if he goes there, he's going to take a significant hit. And the one thing that would really – kind of mind boggle me is why would you get rid of Amari Cooper and then bring in a guy that you're going to have to pay more than Amari Cooper on a team that you're rebuilding? Uh, And I'm not saying that Amari Cooper is Antonio Brown's by any means, but when you look at the age and the the salary size that would be needed, it, it wouldn't make sense to me to make that move and then bring in a guy like Antonio Brown on a team that's not ready to compete yet. Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, it's almost like, okay, let's uh, sacrifice our future with a 24-year-old wide receiver and let's try to win now on a team that isn't built to win now by any stretch of the imagination. If they wanted to win now, they probably would have kept one of the best defensive players in the league, Khalil Mack. Um, So they are building for the future and they just, they really, they should be building for the future, but all they're doing is acquiring older players. And then Antonio Brown would probably fit into that. I mean, he's 30 years old, so he's definitely older than he is younger um, at this point. Um, if they can get and Brown is a player that makes guys better. I mean, let's. I, I two years ago I thought Antonio Brown before he got hurt was the MVP of the league. Right. People say, well, he's got Roethlisberger, and you could if you watch those games, he made Roethlisberger better. So yeah. he's capable of making a quarterback better. Yeah, but. I just don't know if he's capable of elevating Derek Carr to the place he would need to be from a fantasy standpoint where I would get very excited about owning Antonio Brown. <laughs> there's yeah. levels. There's levels to it. Right. There's levels of excitement. <laughs> like this Definitely. is this is this is like tepid water. Like that's <laughs> him in Oakland. That's that's where I am. Yeah, and I think that look, I mean, Derek Carr provided uh, hundred and thirty targets to Amari Cooper in his first two years in the league, right? And he was also keeping uh, Michael Crabtree solvent as well, uh, in fantasy football. So look, if they can get they need help on the offensive line, first of all. I mean, if they're not protecting Derek Carr, he's not going to get the ball to Antonio. It's going to be a frustrating year. And I feel like regardless, there's going to be frustration at some point with this dysfunctional team if Antonio Brown is on it. I do think that he'll still get up, you know, over 130, 140 targets, which will be enough to put him in the conversation as a wide receiver one. And I do agree, Joe, that he's going to make Derek Carr better. Um, just by being the playmaker that he is. So he's going to be the unequivocal wide receiver one on this team, Um, similar to Ben Roethlisberger, and I don't want to compare the two. One's a Hall of Famer and one hasn't proven himself in the league. But similarly enough, I mean, they're both erratic at times, and they both are gunslingers. Like, if they get into the situation of being uh, in an an offensive uh, stylistic perspective of, hey, look, we want to get Antonio Brown involved. We traded for this guy. I think he's going to be a borderline wide receiver one. And I think, you know, for his fantasy perspective, uh, it's not the worst uh, scenario. I do agree though. I'd rather see him in the Kyle Shanahan offense. Yeah. I think that goes without saying. (laughs) I'd I'd rather Uh, see all of us in a Kyle Shanahan offense. (laughs) Oh man. Put me in the slot all day. All Uh, day, baby. All day. (laughs) 
Um, speaking of uh, in the slot, I, you know, let's get into these free agent wide receivers. Well, easy on this transition, Taroni. Yeah, well, you know, okay. Right. So, you know, we All got right. Michael Crabtree. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I won't. No, it's, it's, right. a, it's a family show. Family show. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, we're not back in the day of uh, me dropping the F-bomb on the uh, – That's on, right, you're classy now. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm more professional now. That was my first podcast uh, when I was a guest on the Full 60. I was like, you know what? I'm going to drop an F-bomb. That's going to be my thing. But uh, no, we're, we're not there. We're going to talk about Michael Crabtree. And uh, I think that at this point in his career, he probably would be better suited in the slot. Um, obviously, he's not a burner. Never really was. But he can be a possession guy. And we want to talk about the outlook of these free agent wide receivers and where they could land and where you want to see them land. So, Joe, you're our guest. Why don't you start us off? Where is Michael Crabtree going to be? Well, I'm not trying to steal the thunder of Blake here, but I know he kind of thinks the way I do. And I think the Broncos is actually a good spot for Crabtree. You know, I think at this point in time, he's an older receiver. I think that bringing him in to help mentor a guy like Cortland Sutton's really good. And it's good for both of those guys. It takes a little heat off him as well. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, nobody loves him more than me. Hopefully he's healthy. But, you know, they, I know everybody says it's a lateral move of Case Keenum and Joe Flacco and all that kind of stuff. But it isn't, it isn't. Joe Flacco's been in this league a long time. Joe Flacco started in this league a long time. So I, I think it is a slight upgrade there. And I think giving him another weapon like a Crabtree, who he's familiar with, at least, I think would be a good setup. So I think that for Cortland Sutton's sake, I could see this being a good situation. Takes pressure off him, helps mentor him with a, a guy that's been around the league for a while. It could teach him a couple of things. Not that Sanders couldn't, but they're a little different in terms of style of wide receiver. So I think that would be a positive. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to be good to have a mentor type uh, player there in Denver. And like you said, having Flacco there, I think uh, they're going to be a little bit more steady as the way I'm going to look at it. I don't think that they would be bad without Flacco, but I think having him there is going to make them a little bit more consistent. And then adding a piece like Michael Crabtree is just going to have another body there, somebody that's healthy. Uh, and as a mentor role, I think he could have a, a key part in, in this Broncos team. Yeah, as much as Michael Crabtree is a veteran, I don't know how much of a mentor he is. I, I think he's one of the more immature uh, wide receivers in the league. But uh, I, I do think that, you know, if Emmanuel Sanders isn't healthy week one, this could be a big help for the Broncos um, that obviously has a young wide receiver core as of right now. So, yeah, no, I like this move. I just think that once everyone, you know, once Emmanuel Sanders does come back, I don't know what uh, Crabtree's role will be on this team, especially with like the Deshaun Hamilton, who's a possession guy as well. Um, so it kind of seems like the, the need, uh, it doesn't really suit a need for the Broncos as much as they could fill up you know, other spaces. But I will say that Joe Flacco played really well with uh, Crabtree and Crabtree was actually solid with Flacco at the beginning of last season. So that wouldn't be a bad, uh, a bad look. They obviously already developed the chemistry. Um, I think that, where he would be best suited would be uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, I think that T.Y. Hilton could use a counterpart that could be a possession guy on the other side. Um, the Colts have always had somebody like that on the other side of T.Y. Hilton in the Andrew Luck era. And, uh, you know, I think that he would be pretty uh, solid for uh, on a team where T.Y. Hilton is getting all of the attention and he's, you know, stretching the field where Michael Crabtree can just get the first downs for, for Andrew Luck. So I, I like the idea of, first of all, just the Colts adding another receiver, uh, no matter who it is. And I think Crabtree could kind of fit the bill there. 
So let's move on to Golden Tate. And I think this is uh, probably one of the biggest name of the free agent wide receivers. There's not a whole lot of big names on this, uh, on this list. But Golden Tate, I think that he can definitely fill a role. And uh, easy now, Joe, in the slot. Nah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I think that, uh, that the Ravens actually is a good uh, landing spot for him. They obviously just lost Crabtree. Um, so they need somebody on this receiving core. There isn't a whole lot of names out there. What, Willie Sneed? I mean, is he going to be really your guy um, with a Lamar Jackson? Um, now, he played well last year, but I, I really just don't see the Ravens wanting to lean on a guy like Willie Sneed, who's probably the best receiver on this roster right now. And, you know, <laughs> there's really not a whole lot to it. Um, but I think that with Lamar Jackson developing – Obviously, he, his accuracy is in question right now. With a guy like Golden Tate that can get separation within 10 yards, I think that would be perfect for a guy like uh, Lamar Jackson. So I like him on the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I'm going to go with him to the Patriots. Uh, that's kind of everybody's go-to when you're talking about free agency or trades is just say, oh, let's put him on the Patriots. Everybody will be good on the Patriots. But I really like Golden Tate to the Patriots because on that offense, you know, Bill Belichick's smart, but they're not overly creative. And I think adding a guy like Golden Tate, who's got great speed, um, especially on an aging receiving core there, Edelman's not getting any younger. Uh, Gronk has definitely gotten slower. And, you know, you look at Hogan, some of those guys like that, they don't have Josh Gordon now. They need somebody to kind of step in and be able to create some separation and force the issue down the field, um, get some of those yards after the catch. Well, I'll tell you what, I go Washington Redskins. I think that's uh, where I think he would be better suited because, look, this is a team that needs some stability. And I look at Golden Tate as a guy who can help bring that. And right now you're in a, a bad spot where you don't know what your quarterback situation is, or if you do, you're not happy with it, really. I mean, what's going on there? Colt McCoy on the roster, Alex Smith, obviously, the future of his old career is in question. So for me, I think bringing in somebody like that that you can depend on now, the trick is you're going to have to overpay for him. And that's the concern. You know, you have Richardson, you have Doxon, who's really never done anything. You have Harris, you have a couple guys there. But really, a guy like Golden Tate is the most legitimate of all of those guys in a heartbeat. And if you think of you adding a piece like Golden Tate and a Darius guy who's healthy next year, then all of a sudden you've got something to work with. And you can help a guy like a Colt McCoy, whoever it is you bring in there, at least succeed because you're surrounding him with better pieces. But I think it's, it's dire for them to get a dependable, professional true wide receiver one even though he's a lower tier kind of guy he's not a you know deandre hopkins but he's a guy that you can count on for a thousand yards and i think they haven't had that in in what since like pierre garçon <laughs> maybe like it's been a, it's been a long time yeah so, yeah so the year that garçon and deshaun jackson were both a thousand yard receivers that seems like ages ago uh where kirk cousins was able to do that of course you got colt mccoy who they're saying hey look we feel comfortable with him being our starter golden tate i, I think that they you know, the Redskins are notorious for overpaying free agents. I think this is like a perfect case of them, you know, potentially doing that because there is a need for a reliable receiver, like you said, Joe. Um, I would love Josh Doxson to be that. It just doesn't seem like even if he's on the field for 90% of snaps. Well, but that's the problem, right? Bringing a guy like Tate takes, like we kind of said before, taking pressure off a guy like Doxson, you know, where yeah. you're in a position to not have that pressure of being the guy. And that's been something that so far he hasn't been healthy enough to stay on the field. And when he has, he hasn't necessarily performed up to expectations. And I think he's one of those post hype guys that if you put him with somebody, if you have golden Tate on that team or a wide receiver of note, 
all of a sudden I think that changes what he's able to do potentially in offense. And then that builds confidence. And then hopefully you can get something out of him. Otherwise he's going to end up being a bust. I mean, I think we're very close to being able to say that some people will already be saying it. I'm not there yet, right. but it's certainly on the precipice. So let's move on to John Brown, another Ravens wide receiver that they're going to lose. Um, and, you know, John Brown really showed that he could stay on the field for 16 games last year. And I think that was the biggest thing that, you know, NFL GMs wanted to see. That's what fantasy owners wanted to see is the health for John Brown. And we saw him destroy early on when the Ravens were actually a high-powered passing offense at the first half of the season before Flacco went down. Um, strangely enough, like I really enjoyed watching this passing offense on the Ravens before they turned into run first, run only, pass never. Um, so John Brown, Blake, where is John Brown going to end up next year? I put him going to the Eagles. Um, I don't think there's going to be a huge market for John Brown, but the nice thing for a lot of the teams is that he's going to be in this middle tier of the talent uh, where he's, he's still fairly young. He's got good upside, but he's not going to come with the price tag that, you know, a Golden Tate or Michael Crabtree or trading for Antonio Brown is going to bring. Um, so I, I like him going to the Eagles. And, you know, Ertz is going to get a ton of those targets. Alshon Jeffrey, and they're going to probably try to run the ball a little bit more this year. So I don't think that there's a huge need for a wide receiver, but they do really need somebody that, like you said, can play 16 games, can be on the field, stay healthy, uh, where some of those guys like Aguilar and Jeffrey have a tendency to sometimes get banged up. Uh, it would be nice to have an insurance plan and somebody that can fill in that role easily. Uh, I'm going to go uh, with the New England Patriots. Uh, you said before – Right, that uh, everybody thinks uh, the Patriots are going to get everybody. But right. I actually think this one makes a lot more sense because the one thing that they desperately lack, which is why they brought in Josh Gordon in the first place, was a deep threat. They haven't had one really since Cooks left. And that's an important part of that offense. As much as they want to dink and doink you to death, yeah. they also every now and then do that just to drag you in and then burn you deep. And Cooks did that a lot. They've had other guys in the past be able to fill that role, but they really haven't had anybody, and, and Gordon did it for a little while, and then, of course, we all know what happened there. So I think Brown will be a terrific get for them. Uh, probably could get him pretty cost-effective considering uh, the stat line from last year, and I think he would fit in perfectly with what they'd want to do because he is that guy that just needs to touch the ball one time to make an impact, and I think it, it, you might not love it. It might be a DFS play on a weekly basis more than a season-long NFL one, but I think it makes a lot of football sense. And I think that it's something that in their offense, they lack quite a bit. And I think it would be a very wise signing on their part. Yeah. They, they need to add somebody it seems because it's like Julian Edelman and Braxton Berrios and you know, everyone else isn't under contract right now. Chris Hogan is a free agent, Philip Dorsett and Cordell Patterson are all free agents. So we'll see which one of those guys they retain. I think they probably retain Chris Hogan and let the other two walk. Um, if Philip Dorsett leaves, then that's a huge upgrade at, you know, in a similar role that, you know, John, John Brown can, uh, can obtain. Um, I, I really, like I said, I really liked what John Brown did getting last season. Um, he had over a hundred yards twice and then at least 86 yards in two other games. Um, he scored four touchdowns in the first seven games of the season. One of those games was against the Steelers, three catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. That was on national television. And uh, he really went off. I think he had something like a 60 yard touchdown. So I think that the Steelers makes a lot of sense. I, it would, you know, it would benefit them to get somebody uh, on the field across from Juju. They like to put Juju in the slot, obviously. And I think that's where he excels. 
Uh, it would be best if they could put him in the slot more often than not and have a field stretcher like John Brown on the outside. Of course, they have James Washington. I think he's going to be solid, uh, but it would be nice to take the pressure off of him and add a veteran presence. If they add John Brown, I mean, I love uh, John Brown for fantasy on the Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger throwing the deep ball. Um, so that's kind of more of like a, my own little personal fantasy. I don't know how realistic it is, but I do think that he has a, a path to touches on a Steelers offense that is going to lose Antonio Brown. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So Tyrell Williams is a guy that I think a lot of people are excited about uh, that they want to see an expanded role. Um, we've seen him when he was the number one guy when Keenan Allen went down for the Chargers. He had a thousand yard season. Um, so he's a deep ball maven. I mean, this guy is 6'4 um, and can run intermediate routes. Um, I think that Tyrell Williams can be fantasy relevant next year. Um, Joe, where does he end up? I'm going to put him on the Titans. And I know it might seem like a little odd at first, but I, I think they, you know, they keep waiting for Corey Davis to happen. And you saw some improvement last year for sure. A lot of it, obviously the problem stems from getting a healthy quarterback and getting that situation right. And Mariota, I don't have much faith in, but I think that considering, you know, you look at the roster, I think bringing in a player like that, just another weapon, another guy that they could utilize. Um, I know some people are high on Taiwan Taylor and he had some moments last year too, but I think they bringing in a guy like Williams from another physical standpoint would make them a really tough wide receiving core to guard. Yeah. You know, they're just, a, they would be a very big group. Corey Davis is not a little man, right. <laughs> you know, you know, having some strength and speed and size and stuff like that. And if you are going to truly commit to the running game and commit to Derrick Henry, which they should, which clearly was the path that they should have been taking the entire time. But if that continues next year, having big physical wide receivers that can get downfield too, that makes a big difference because you keep pulling in those eight in the box and the next thing you know, you can just burn people deep. And I think that will be a good situation for them. Yeah, so I have Tyrell Williams staying with the Chargers. But, you know, Steven talking about the Steelers in that last one kind of got me thinking a little bit. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking at the 16.3 yards per reception. And if they really do move Antonio Brown – that would be so fun to see Tyrell Williams in that offense because they're going to need somebody uh, to draw safeties over to keep them off of Juju. You know, if Juju's looking at 120 receptions again, uh, he's going to be getting such a huge bulk of that offense. He's going to be drawing a lot of double teams without Antonio Brown there. And I think having a deep threat like Tyrell Williams will help keep the defense honest. Uh, and if they could get James Conner going in that run game, you could see some huge plays coming out of Tyrell Williams if he were to go to the Steelers. Yeah, I really think for like the outlook of Juju Smith-Schuster, and I love him as a receiver, I think he's going to be great no matter what. But I think that I like him more if they get somebody else on that receiving core um, just to take the pressure off of him because we saw what, we, what he did with a guy like Antonio Brown. Um, so if it's just him on the outside talking about Juju, you know, he's going to get the double coverage. You know, he will get a lot of targets, no doubt. But I just – I like his production a little bit more if they have a guy like a Tyrell Williams or a John Brown. 
Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the same thing as baseball. You know, you can have a really good hitter in the three spot, but if you don't have a slugger hitting cleanup, yep. the guy in the third spot's going to struggle, and you're, they're going to find weaknesses to pitch around you. And it's kind of the same thing for football. If you're the only guy on a team, they're going to find ways to lock you down, and you, you just got to have somebody else to help you out. Joe, how are you liking that baseball talk right there? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the baseball analogy. You know, I, I threw that in for you. You can make the baseball analogy to, I mean, the football analogy to a baseball fan. Right. But sometimes when you make the, uh, the inverse, the football fan looks at you like you're crazy. You're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Three hole yeah. hitter who? It's like Bob <laughs> it's Harris. Though. You can't, you know, you couldn't possibly say that around Bob Harris. He would, he would smack you in the face if you try to make that analogy. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, uh, Blake, I think I'm on board with you. I want to see Tyrell Williams in the high-powered offense. Um, I think that he's a good fit with the Titans, Joe, and I think that you know him on the other side of Corey Davis would be great for Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great as long as Mariota could throw the damn football. Oh, yeah. No, if Tyrell Williams goes to, goes to the Titans, I think that would be awesome for Mariota's fantasy outlook. But um, I'm looking at him as a Patriot next year. And Joe, you're, you know, you're a Patriots fan, so maybe you can uh, chime in on this. But I really liked, obviously, what Tom Brady did with Josh Gordon last year. I didn't have a problem with it. It's not my ideal. I think uh, it, a lot of it depends on what happens with Gronk. You know, I think personally, I think it's time for Gronk to step back and step away. I think I, the fact that he was able to muster last couple of good games there at the playoffs, I think, was him leaving on a high note. And yeah, everyone has to realize if he retires, that frees up a ton of money. So I don't think the Patriots are going to settle. I think Williams would be more of a settle guy or maybe part of a group that they get. That's, that's how I would see that going forward. But they, they're going to have a lot of money if Gronk retires. So that's, that's, a, that's a big chunk off that book. Well, everyone's linking Golden Tate to the Patriots, and I just feel like yeah, – I don't see that. I don't – Julian Edelman's there. I, I, <laughs> hence, I didn't say that. <laughs> like, when you asked me the guy. I just – I know everyone says that, but that's because most people don't understand – most people just see – Patriots, NC best player or whatever. They think Golden Tate's the best wide receiver, but they don't think deeper into what do the Patriots do? Who do they have that does that? Right. And what they need is the deep threat guy. And that's why I think Josh Brown is the best fit for them by far. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if they weren't in the same division as the Steelers, I could see them being, <laughs> not division, but a conference, excuse me. Right. I could see them going after a guy like Antonio Brown. Uh, but you know, obviously that's never going to happen. They're never going to trade Antonio Brown to the Steelers. Although no. I would love to see Le'Veon Bell go there because I would just be hilarious. Have him and Sony Michelle and just be the most obnoxious team in football because you are already, so you might as well stay on brand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I, I like I like Tyrell Williams as a Patriot just because I do like what uh, Josh Gordon did last year. Um, I, I can, I'm comparing the two. I, you know, I'm, I know Josh Gordon is a lot more talented and more of a physical uh, imposing force, but they're both taller receivers and both do similar things and want to be on the outside. Um, but Tyrell Williams is actually more of a burner than a Josh Gordon. So I would like to see him, uh, you know, in a Tom Brady offense. And I think that would be great. It fills a need for them. They need to add somebody. Last guy here, Adam Humphreys. Adam Humphreys had a great 2018 uh, with Jameis Winston. Um, but, you know, he plays a slot and he plays really well, actually. Like he impressed me with like his hands being able to catch balls just uh, out of the air without using his body. Um, I really liked him working the sidelines. I loved him in the red zone as well. I think that you guys are both in agreement. And Blake, I'll let you lead us off here with where you think he's going to land. Yeah, I'm going to have him staying at the Bucks, And for a couple of the reasons you just talked about, you talk about his hands, 72% catch percentage this year and 73% the year before. And with Jameis Winston, I think that's going to be something that's big. Um, 
Jameis Winston sometimes is a little bit crazy with his throws, uh, whether it's risky or just confidence or whatever you want to call it. Um, so having him having good hands, like you said, being able to catch away from his body and not necessarily having to use his body, that is a huge advantage. And he's been really consistent over the last three years, 55, 61, and 76 receptions. And he's only 25. So, you know, all that's trending consistently in a positive direction. I really like to see that. Uh, all of his numbers are like that. And last year he found the end zone five times. I think if uh, Winston is the quarterback for this whole year and you're not having the flip-flop every week or two, uh, I think he'll really be able to settle into a role there and really find some good success moving forward. Yeah, I agree with uh, Blake there. I, I think that the Bucks is a great spot. I think the first thing that Bruce Arians wants to do is get Jameis Winston comfortable, and clearly right. he's comfortable with Humphreys. So I think it's worth bringing him back for that factor alone. And I think that he will easily fit into a lot of things that they're going to want to do in that offense. And I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm an Arians guy. I'm excited. You know, fantasy guys should always be Arians guys. They should always be linked together. And I look at that right now as a situation of you have Evans, you have Humphreys. He was very good in the second half and very consistent too, which I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle there, the consistency and getting the end zone and, and just being a, a guy that was very dependable. I think, in this evolution of this next step that Winston might be able to take, I think he's going to be integral to that. So for me, I think you do that, you solidify everything, and then you try to figure out what the hell you're doing running back. Is it Ronald Jones? And if it's not, then who the hell is it going to be? But you need to solidify that running game if you're going to take that step forward as an offense. Yeah, no, I hear you guys. I, I think that's a great point to uh, make Jameis comfortable because I think that's what Bruce Arians needs to do is limit the spontaneity of Jameis Winston and make him more dependable. Um, so I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see, you know, obviously he's going to take shots. He's going to be in a vertical offense with Bruce Arians, but I think that he's going to be less erratic uh, than we've seen in the past, especially once he realizes, hey, look, this is my job. I'm not going to lose it to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, yeah, Adam Humphreys would be great on the Bucks. Obviously, we saw him for three years uh, pretty consistent, like you said, Blake. Um, I think that he fills a need for the Packers, though. Uh, Randall Cobb is going to be out. He's actually a guy we didn't even talk about today. But Randall Cobb is going to be out the door. Aaron Rodgers could use some consistency, could use some reliability in the slot. I love Adam Humphreys in this role. He would fill that role um, that Randall Cobb has filled for so many years uh, in the red zone, too, on those flat routes, um, which he does so well. So, you know, that would just be such an upgrade to go from Winston to Aaron Rodgers doing similar things, but just way more efficiently. So, you know, as far as Adam Humphreys goes, if he ends up on the Packers, I mean, it's realistic to think that he could get something like eight touchdowns next year. Um, so I really like that for Adam Humphreys' outlook. Um, for the Bucks. I think it would be great to retain him. But, you know, there's, they're talking about Chris Godwin playing the slot, so it almost seems as if they're, they're moving on from Humphreys in a way. When, when you hear reports of, like, oh, Godwin's going to play more in the slot, uh, it, it seems like they might be thinking Humphreys might be gone. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. All right, before we get out of here, Joe, I want to talk a little Dynasty. Obviously, it's Dynasty season. Dynasty startups are happening right now. And, you know, the, with the combine and everything, uh, we have a little bit more uh, stats on these guys. So we're going to talk about one uh, rookie that we're excited for Dynasty drafts. I'm going to start us off here. Daryl Henderson is a guy that, you know, he's undersized, obviously, at 5'8". But he's bigger than you think. He's 205. And if you compare him to like a Tariq Cohen, Tariq Cohen is 5'6 and 179. He does Tariq Cohen things, except he's actually finishes off runs and can be a bruiser. 
Um, Daryl Henderson, I don't know if he can be a three down back in the league. I think he's too small for that. But depending on where he lands, I'm going to be very excited. And one team actually would be the Titans. And Deion Lewis, I don't think anybody's very excited about Deion Lewis right now. Obviously, he got, you know, at times volume last year. I think he needs that in order to be efficient. But if you compare somebody like Daryl Henderson with uh, Derrick Henry, I think you're looking at a nice combo there. And, you know, we obviously saw Chris Johnson excel with the Titans. Daryl Henderson looks like a guy that can be a Chris Johnson light player. Um, you know, he's going to be a screen guy. He's gonna, he can actually work in the slot too. Um, so it might be something that the Titans want to do and get a little bit more, um, I guess, experimental with their offense. So Daryl Henderson is a guy that excites me depending on where he lands. Yeah, I'm really liking Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State, the wide receiver. Uh, he's nothing special as far as, you know, like when you're looking at DK Metcalf, uh, everybody kind of drools. But uh, Hakeem Butler is another big guy. He's 6'5", got big hands, 10 and 3 quarters. 40-yard uh, dash wasn't that amazing at the combine. He had 4.48. 4 but when I'm looking at him, he, you know, he's 4.48? Yeah. Yeah. That's he's pretty impressive, he's, man. He's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a, a D-back, you know, 4.3. But, yeah. <laughs> but, no, still, for a guy that big, that's a pretty good 40. You know, you're talking about a guy that's 6'5". Um, but I like how he can work the middle of the field, uh, much like a Julio Jones kind of. You know, he, he can have him on the outside, and he works the sideline fine. But if his quarterback gets in trouble, he's able to come back to the middle of the field. Uh, as far as where he's going to go, I really don't know. It's hard to tell what teams are going to take him. And there's so much trading on draft day. But I think he could fit into almost any kind of team just because of the skill set he has. And his hands are so good that he could be with a young quarterback that's um, a little bit shaky, a guy kind of like Winston that we just talked about. I think he'd be a great player there. Um, but I think he could also go to a team, you know, like the Packers that have a good quarterback that they just need somebody to be able to step up as a young guy and just take over. Uh, for me, I'm going to go easy here with Josh Jacobs because, you know, sometimes the, the right answer is the easy one. We've seen guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley come in and have just great NFL starts to their careers. I don't think Jacobs is quite in that level. Uh, but I will say this. The only thing that worries me is the stamina because clearly he wasn't every single down for them. There was a lot of working in tandems with different other people. And I, I think that's the only question is can he handle – can he handle the entire first year of a 16-game season? And my guess is whoever drafts him will recognize that, and he might be one of these guys that might start the year a little slow, but I think in the last eight games of the season, he's going to come on like gangbusters, and Jacobs is a guy that I think in the future is going to be a, an impact fantasy player, and I think that's what you're looking for. Yeah, besides Rodney Anderson, who obviously is dealing with uh, coming off the injury, so you know he's going to slip a little bit further than he would have. But besides Rodney Anderson, I think Josh Jacobs is the most complete back uh, in this class. So I really like Josh Jacobs, and you know he's going in the second round um, in fantasy uh, rookie drafts, uh, dynasty rookie drafts. So I think you got to like that value with Josh Jacobs. I love that. Joey P, back on the hot take, man. We really appreciate it. I think this is like your third or fourth time coming on to the show. So always a pleasure to have you on, bro. Um, tell the listeners where they can find your stuff and what you got coming for them. Well, I appreciate you uh, inviting me over and over. You can follow me on the Twitter machine at JoePizzaPia17 and uh, check out the Fantasy Black Book podcast. Of course, the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2019 is out there right now. If you're playing baseball, go get it on Amazon or iTunes and uh, the Football Black Book. 
will be out in June. So uh, looking forward, as soon as April comes, we'll be working hardcore on that, and that'll be out in June. Awesome. Yeah, uh, one quick piece of news. Uh, you know, I just joined FF Statistics, um, so the hot take will be on that platform from now on. Uh, so you can get, along with Rotoballer and FSGN, you can get all your hot take on FF Statistics as well. And, of course, wherever you want to listen to podcasts, uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, etc. Blake, anything else before we get out of here? No, man, just getting ready. Getting ready for this draft coming up. Some free agency. It's going to be fun to watch. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll be on it uh, talking about Antonio Brown, I'm sure, next week, wherever he does land. Uh, on behalf of Joey P., and Blake Sullivan, my name is Stephen Taroni. This has been the Hot Take Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hot Take Podcast. Check out Fantrax HQ and Rotoballer for your fantasy sports news and analysis. All the guys on Twitter at Stephen underscore Taroni and at Blake Sullivan FF. See ya!